This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. Well, thanks for joining me on the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Ward, and we go back in baseball history a little bit to the mid-2000s and a national champion today. Uh, Drew George joins me on the podcast, an Oregonian himself. Drew coming over from Lebanon, played at Lower Columbia College, transferred in in 07, caught the second of those two national championships, ended up starting 81 games in a Beaver uniform, and has gone on to an interesting career, was in coaching. He really thought baseball coaching was his future and for a while it was. He even coached at OSU for a stint, undergraduate assistant coach, but he got into more of a technology field, sales, client partnership, recruiting sort of deal. He'll explain more about what his role looks like, but he works sort of with Nike. They're his client, but he works with K-Force is the name of the company, and he'll, uh, he'll explain more what that looks like, the transition from sports into what he's doing now. So a fun conversation with a Lebanon native who came over to Oregon State to play baseball and on that national championship championship team in 2007. Here is Drew George on the Beaver Tales podcast. Drew, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing today? Um, I'm doing great, Josh. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Let's just start at the beginning of your Oregon State story, which in a sense begins before you became an OSU student because you grew up in the shadow of Oregon State, uh, not too far away over in Lebanon. Take me to, you know, you didn't come right to Oregon State. You had a, a pit stop up in Longview with Lower Columbia College. Did you grow up thinking, I really want to be a Beaver player? That That's my dream. Did you just think, oh, I just like watching. You never thought you'd be a player. I mean, where was where did that element come in as you were growing up before you got to college? Sure, yeah. So, um, you know, as, as, a, as a child, was always an Oregon State fan. Um, when I was growing up as a kid, my dad actually – uh, ran a baseball camp like every end of the winter. And uh, that was at Lynn Benton Community College early in the camp career, but had transitioned to McAlexander Fieldhouse. Uh, for those of your listeners who are really familiar with, with Oregon State campus, that's behind left field um, and was a place where there's batting cages and turf. And so there'd be many Saturdays where our camp uh, would have to share some of our our field with Pat Casey's early Oregon State Beavers, um, you know, during batting practice uh, when, you know, when it was raining, they'd have to come indoors. So that was really my first um, Oregon State memories of, of, of seeing what a college baseball player looked like. Um, and, you know, I guess dreaming to, to be able to have that opportunity. Um, I, you know, I've, Remember in high school, um, you know, my goal was to play Division One baseball, um, and I was uh, I was the, the skinny, kind of tall, skinny, lanky um, baseball player, and uh, you know, I got I got advice from Pat that I needed to you know put more weight on, and so that's kind of what took me to Lower Columbia. Um, one, they had a really good strength and conditioning program, and also they were a, a junior college powerhouse in the Northwest, and um, so so fortunate that I made that decision. Um, played for um, uh, amazing coach Kelly Smith, um, and had a had a good freshman year there, um, and then in the fall of your sophomore year, sort of that recruiting period, at least it was back in 2005. That was, um, and uh, took a took an official trip to Oregon State uh, with another buddy of mine, a pitcher from Lower Columbia, 
and then another uh, guy from Columbia Basin. We all ended up signing to Oregon State. Um, we all were also drafted that that sophomore year of Lower Columbia, um, and and I chose to to fulfill the the dream uh, to play D one and go to Oregon State, which was a great decision because you know it was a national championship the second year in '07. So um, uh, the the other two guys on the trip on the recruiting trip with me they they signed and. I text them every now and again, you know, wondering if they made the right decision or not. So we're all out of the game now. So, Yeah, and so your first year at Oregon State, making sure I got the timeline right, was 07 was your first season with the Beavers, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I finished my career at Lower Columbia. Um, my sophomore year was 2006, and so that was the first national championship at Oregon State. And so uh, our our NWAC is the community college league name. Our NWAC season ends um, in at the end of May or early June. And I remember watching, you know, in, in middle of June to late June, watching the World Series and Oregon State making the run and, um, you know, kind of like sitting on the couch with my dad, like a little bit worried, like we, we missed it by one year. <laughs> uh, you know, you just, you never, you never know what to expect. And so we were, Really, really fortunate that you know we were able to do it again the second year. It's great, I mean, great leadership who came back, Darwin and Mitch and a bunch of guys, and it was an amazing team. I think I'll come back to OSU in a moment, but not to jump ahead too much. You got drafted coming out of Lower Columbia, which normally, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not usually not eligible to be drafted until your third year, but when you're in a junior college, you can get just drafted at any point, right? Yeah, so when you got drafted at that point, you and your buddies had a decision to make. We can go, we can get the pro contract, we can you know, secure that. Who knows what will happen a few years later if we have the same opportunity. But kind of same thing with college. Who knows if I wish I'd taken the D1 opportunity. Either way, you're giving something up and you're getting something. You chose college. When your college career came to an end, it wasn't long before you came back to Oregon State, did some coaching, some other stuff. Did did you have an opportunity at that play at that point to play any pro ball independent? Did you ever? What did that look like once your Oregon State career ended? Yeah, yeah. So um, it was it was going to take a, a you know a lot of money and a, and a really really good opportunity for me to pass up Oregon State um, coming off a national championship. You know, that sort of being a goal of mine um, to, to play there. And uh, so that didn't align. And, that, you know, that's why I felt really compelled to, to go to Oregon State. And that was a decision that, um, you know, my family and I made. And we were really comfortable with that. Um, I had a, a, a minor setback with a shoulder injury um, where I had surgery my junior year and uh, at Oregon State. And um, didn't have the greatest personal year, but it was an amazing, you know, team year, which was the most important thing. Um, and then when I graduated and, and finished my, my eligibility in 2008, my senior year, I was a little bit older. I think I was 24 when I graduated. And, um, you know, I, I, I did play one year of independent ball that summer um, and just decided to, quote, unquote, retire, I guess, the, the, the kind of the following winter of 2008 or early 2009. Um, that's also when I was – um, uh, coaching at Oregon State as an undergraduate assistant, and I wanted to fulfill that uh, that out through the entire year. We we were a postseason team in 2009, um, playing in the TCU regional, and the the independent ball schedule starts early May, and that you know we, we were already past that. So um, you know, coaching was my career desire at that point, and so. 
uh, you know, hung the cleats up at, I think I was 25 at that point. So I was, you know, a little bit older anyway when you're, when you're thinking about professional athletes starting a career. And so I went down the coaching path for, for maybe a short 10 or 12 months. One of the, my favorite parts of this podcast is you when you do sort of a where are they now element, you ask people about life decisions they made or life, not decisions, but things that happened to them. And you could ask them at the time, hey, how does it feel? What do you what do you think about that? But then it's another thing to look back 10, 20 years later and say, what about now? What do those things lead to? You have a different perspective on it. So when you look back at your decision in 0506 that element to sign with Oregon State and then what that led to have a little chance to play some pro baseball who knows what would have happened if you had signed right out of lower Columbia and what your pro career would have looked like on one hand you could value the professional career and you could say oh, I wish I just signed then on the other hand it's hey I want a national championship like nothing to be ashamed of there so when you look back at that and you think of that decision in terms of the the retrospect and and you know being able to look back at it, how do you evaluate that decision now? Uh, the pros and cons of it. Yeah, I, I think you know with any decision that people make, you know you, you you're probably going to be able to find success one way or another. Um, but I you know if I look as I look back on that decision in in 2005 or six to to you know stay in college, um, for me I think it was for sure the right decision. The the things that I learned um, at Oregon State, um, you know, are, have just been so valuable in my life today. But the people that that you know I, I was teammates with, um, you know, a good chunk of those folks, you know, played professional baseball for a while. Um, a lot of those, a lot of my, you know, my peer teammates are doing you know amazing things in their professional careers, and so you know, I think learning from them at the time, and then continually learning over the you know, the last 10 plus years, um, have been super beneficial. I'm sure I'd make those same relationships if I go the pro ball route, but you know, there's, there's just something to growing up as a fan in the Valley to be able to, you know, put on the orange and black. And, um, I don't think that there's any dollar amount or experiences that could have been better than, you know, than that opportunity. You said that the things you learned and, and, the things you took away from Oregon State, let's go a little deeper there. What were those things, whether it be the friendships you made, could just be school stuff, or or character development, life lessons you learned there that helped you become the person you are today? What were some of those things that you wouldn't have learned, or at least not that early, had you not gone to Oregon State? Yeah, and I think the the, the word that comes to mind is commitment. Um, you know, I've, I've, my whole sports life and now in my professional life, I've been fortunate to be surrounded by amazing teammates. I've never been an individual sport person or an individual job person. Um, and, you know, at, at, at Lebanon High School, at Lower Columbia and at Oregon State, I think the, the level of commitment raised notches every single time. Um, you know, and at, at, at Oregon State, you know, obviously I played with some people who made it to the very highest level. You know, Darwin's a gold glove winner, which is an amazing accomplishment. Um, and the, just the commitment that our team had um, to be the best team in the country that year, um, the, the work ethic, the hours that you put into you trying to be perfect, which in a, in a game of baseball, just like the game of life, is pretty much impossible. Um, I think that's, you know, that's something that I learned the most, and that's kind of started the foundation of 
the work ethic that I have today in my business life or in my family life or the commitment um, to just continue on the grind. And and I had that at Lower Columbia too, for sure. But like I said, just uh, just a notch higher as you get to the D1 level and play with people from from more parts of the country who have different experiences of how they got to the D1 level. You had mentioned that you got into some coaching after you finished your playing career, coach at Oregon State as an assistant, also at the Bellingham Bells Summer Collegiate League. What did that coaching look like? It was your passion, and now it's not what you're doing full-time. Take me to kind of the passion and coaching and then how you transition. I don't know if you're completely out of it. Maybe you still dabble a little bit, but mostly, obviously, your full-time gig, I'm sure, keeps you busy. So take me to yeah. the passion and coaching and then how that passion maybe led to or you transitioned out of that a little bit. Yeah, well, so when I was when I was in uh, when I was coaching at Oregon State and when I was with Bellingham Bells, for me, baseball was the only thing I knew. You, know, you don't uh, you don't have the ability to to really have a job when you're trying to be an elite level athlete, and so um, I figured that was the only thing that I should do. And I was very passionate about baseball and loved it. And I, I you know, I, I mentioned my age a couple times. I you know, by the time I was with the Bellingham Bells, I came around 25, 26, probably close to 26. And that's when you're, uh, you roll off your parents' insurance. And I mean, that was really one of the decision makers for me was um, by the time I get to 26, I need to have something that is a, a career type of a job. And um, when I came out of the, 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 the role with the Bellingham Bells, which was an amazing opportunity, um, there was just no real um, solid coaching jobs. There were some volunteer assistants, and 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 uh, you know that's just how you got to start in the, in that world. I just um, I was probably a little bit later in life to be able to in, in invest that type of time into that career. And so, um, you know, a, a long story short, I went to a, a a recruiter who was a family friend and tried to get a real job and uh, that was about it and so tell me about what that led to your job now and, and how you even got the expertise to do what sounds like some pretty technical stuff and software engineering and I, I don't know exactly what your day-to-day looks like but tell me what that led to what you're doing now yeah um there's a lot to unpack there but i'll, I'll try to keep it um <laughs> somewhat short um but you know I, I, I go to a i go to a recruiter who's a family friend and and basically Again, I'm still thinking sports in my mind, and um, Nike's the, the sports company in Oregon, and all you know the, the apparel that I always wore. Um, and so I ask if you know if I'm qualified for a job at Nike, um, which I wasn't because I didn't have any professional working experience. Um, so uh, I ended up becoming a recruiter. You know, I, I didn't have experience to work at Nike, but I did have experience being a recruiter to hire people to work at Nike. So strange how that how that works out but uh um, that was 10 years ago um i'm i'm still in the the business of recruiting and technology consulting as as you mentioned um and six and a half years ago um, i was able to take over our partnership with nike so it kind of came full circle to where here i am just trying to get a job and um now i'm in a an amazing spot where i can i can help hundreds of people um, get jobs in the digital technology space at Nike. 
Wow. So what what does your role look like now? It's not always easy to, to share too many particular details, especially you know with with Nike doing a lot of cool stuff. So whatever you can share, what what does kind of a day in the life look like, and how you help your coworkers, help other people get jobs, all that sort of stuff. What does that look like day to day? Yeah. So what I what I love about about the industry that I'm in is it's all about people. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, I would be quote unquote classified as the, the salesperson, you know, on our team, but that's, you know, that's not the job that I, that I would call myself. Um, but my, my role is understanding the technology projects, programs, initiatives, um, that Nike needs my company K-Force's help with. Um, and then we have a, uh, operations team, a recruiting team and a bunch of software engineering consultants that, um, you know, we interview or screen or align to complete those projects. Um, so you, you think about where we're working with people on one end as our customer. I have a team that I work with, you know, of operations folks and recruiters, and our product essentially is people also. Um, and so I, you know, I think growing up with my only, you know, professional experience being sports, and, and the team environment that that, that is all about, um, probably the number one thing that, the number one attribute that I take with me every day is, you know, w- what we did for 20, 20 years, 24 years being baseball players. One of the things when I've talked with Pat Casey, he says, like, the same the same will that you need to win he says it's much in a much more epic manner than i would but the the same will that you need to win a national championship it's the same will you need to accomplish anything great you know that sort of thing where it's like this translates far beyond and transcends baseball in a career that's not technically related to baseball doesn't doesn't feel like you're throwing a you know a ball around the diamond or anything has that still been true are are you a better worker at your job now because you were a baseball player because you played for pat casey because you played at the d1 level in in some way maybe somewhat indirect but do you see that correlation i I think for me uh, 100 i work with a lot of people who don't have sports backgrounds but they have you know other background maybe a higher education or um you know they were raised in a family of business folks um but yeah for me it's it you know pat did an amazing job of leading us with like that term will, like I'm just going to get it done. I'm going to find a way. Um, you know, so I, I, I go back on that a lot in my mind as, um, you know, in the world of business and the world of life, there's, there's, you know, highs and lows and crazy times. We've, we've certainly all been experiencing that in the last year. Um, and so some of that, those foundations that he instilled in us, you know, I, I definitely take with me today. Um, you know, the other unique, unique thing about baseball, which is good and bad, is there's a lot of failure in baseball. And, and you can fail a lot and still be somewhat successful. You know, when they talk about some of the greatest hitters are, you know, succeed three out of ten times. And, um, again, in business and in life, there's, there's a lot of things that don't go your way or that don't go how you draw it up. And you've got to be able to audible and, and make the best of it. And I think... Um, you know, having that sort of even keel mindset that you have to have in a, you know, in a 60-ish game college season, if you're making it all the way to Omaha uh, with a lot of peaks and valleys is, is, a, is another attribute, um, you know, that is instilled in me that just, you know, helps me just keep writing it out. Um, if you think about, you know, what, what COVID brought to 
you know, the world basically almost a year ago, my business was hiring. That was completely halted. Um, and, and, you know, you, you just got to, our team, um, you know, we stayed even keel. We stayed our, our course, continued to have our relationships, um, and we're able to overcome that. Now it's the busiest time we've ever had. Yeah. Well, last thing for you, I'm curious if you, how much you've watched Oregon State baseball ever since, if you closely watched the 2018 College World Series, if you were watching that from afar, and if as you were watching that World Series, did it remind you of 07, being on a championship team yourself, take me back to just a couple of years ago and maybe reliving your own championship? Yeah, I, I, I try to watch as much as I can and stay as close to, close to Oregon State baseball as I can. Watching the 2017 team was was really fun because that that was our 10 year anniversary and unfortunately that that didn't you know go the way of, of winning the national championship but still an amazing feat to get there um, and then in in 18 you know just kind of reminds you reminds you of the persona of Oregon State baseball a lot of grit maybe a little bit of luck and capitalizing on opportunity. Um, and in, in, in 06, you know, they definitely had to have grit and came, you know, from way behind, you know, I think they were, you know, a game from elimination or outs from elimination, you know, for us in 07, we, we sort of ran the table once we got to the postseason, but we barely got to the postseason. Pac-10 at the time, the schedule was just tough and, and, you know, everyone was beating up each other. So we barely got in, you know, when you look at 18, Wow, that was the craziest ending to a game I think a lot of baseball fans have ever seen. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's in our DNA as as Oregon State alumni baseball players. Um, we talk about it a lot. We have you know, different eras have different group texts, and we're you know we were texting last night about the win. Um, my team, the about oh six to to oh nine team, we have a about a thirty person group text. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's just a, it's a great brotherhood to be a part of. We try to get together every every fall um, for a golf event in in, uh, in Corvallis and match that with a football game and network and exchange stories about the good old days and and the current days, which are which are still good days. That's great. When I had Bill Rao on, he talked about, you know, the one thing a championship does, you, it, it bonds you together. You won't leave. You normally don't anyways, but a championship especially, and it seems like that's been the case. Yeah. Bill Rao was on the text last night, and, uh, you know, as you were flashing me back through 06 and 07 and 18, you know, Bill Rao had the, the big home run yeah. uh, in, in 06, and I remember, I remember playing with him in high school on flip teams, you know, and I was watching it from my couch, but... Uh, yeah, that was that was a great moment. Yeah, that's great. Two Oregonians, him from Southern Oregon, you from Lebanon, and didn't even overlap yeah. in Oregon State. I think he finished in 06, if I'm remembering his timeline correctly, but um, represented yeah. Oregon State well. So that's awesome. Well, Drew, thanks for recounting those memories and, and to see where your story has ended up. Best of luck going forward, and thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, and, and good luck with your future podcast. And that was real cool to hear from Drew George and see what he's up to these days and uh, the lessons he learned from Pat Casey and the moving around and uh, what he's doing now. So thanks to Drew for coming on the podcast and uh, joining me again. I'm usually uploading maybe one episode a week now trying to focus on this Beaver baseball documentary for all you baseball fans out there. Mostly focusing on 2018, but some mentions of the mid-2000s, the Jack Riley years. Speaking of another guy who came from Lower Columbia College, Jack Riley coached in Longview at Lower Columbia and then got the 
head coaching job. He was Pat Casey's predecessor. Well, following him up, in a sense, transferring from Lower Columbia College was Drew George to play for OSU. Uh, also, by the way, I mentioned a charity on every episode. This one's a local one. I talk about Old Mill Center sometimes, um, but some updates, some timely updates for them. They've got a silent auction coming up this spring, May 1st through May 8th. And, uh, I, I, you know, trying to spread the word for the silent auction. You can also buy raffle tickets to get a car. You could win a car and uh, do some charitable work also. You can buy a raffle ticket. They're only selling 400 of these raffle tickets. If you drop $100 and, hey, even if you don't win the car, you just spent, you know, get, donated $100 to a charity, basically. Old Mill Center does amazing work in the community here. They want to ensure that all children have access to early education, behavioral, and mental health services to give them the best possible start in life. So Old Mill Center doing work right here in Benton County and the surrounding area. Um, check them out at oldmillcenter.org. That's oldmillcenter.org. Thanks again to Drew George for joining me on the podcast. Until we talk again on the next episode of the Beaver Tales podcast, I've been your host, Josh Warden. Have a great day, everyone, and let's talk next week.